0: Oh, hey, you want to tell the people about the Marco Polo you sent me today? <laughs> yeah, I do. Here are all of my questions that you just callously
1: left unanswered last night. You're like, okay, good night. And then I just like laid in bed like, uh, what in the actual hell am I supposed to do right now? Like, who are these roommates? Why didn't they smell anything? Is she going to try and act like she didn't do it? She dyed her hair and is like in Utah. Like, does she just confess? Who else is about what about this new boyfriend? What about the license plate upside down? Does that really work? Like, you better come correct with all of that information.
0: <laughs> Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Answer just about every single one of those questions, and then that some. is a first. <laughs> yeah, no that kidding. That is a first. <laughs> it's because I read a book <sighs>
1: this time. Yeah, my favorite thing. The other no, you didn't read the book. I did. I read, read this the... whole book. Oh, I, I had Sabrina oh, do yes. the
0: initial research, and then I was like, I need all the de- I need all the deets. <sighs> You're like, this is too so. <laughs> I had to uh, spend three days, like full days, on my Thanksgiving vacation uh writing these. Oh. <laughs> this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around stressors big and small for me this comes in the form of work too many deadlines relationships with people irrational fears of the future when we keep them bottled up it can really start to affect us negatively mentally and physically therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down my therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when we left off, no one had seen Travis Alexander for a few days and Mimi Hall was getting worried. She was the girl that was supposed to go to Cancun with him. Everybody else assumed that he was already in Mexico and she was like, no, I'm going on that trip with him and we're not supposed to leave until tomorrow. That's another
1: one of my questions. Like,
0: how does no one know you live with people and they didn't know when you were leaving the country? He wasn't really close with his roommates. And I guess they just assumed they knew he was going. Like, I know when people are, like, going on vacation, I don't know the exact itinerary, you know? Yeah. And so when Mm -hmm. he wasn't there for a couple days and it was, like, right before the trip, they just assumed, like, oh, I guess his trip was now. Yeah. On June 9th, 2008, Mimi called a few of Travis's friends and they decided to go over to check on Travis. It was Mimi, her friend Michelle, Michelle's boyfriend Dallin. And when they got to the house, they ran into Travis's roommate, Zachary, who, along with their other roommate, Enrique, had thought that Travis had been in Mexico this whole time until Mimi told them they weren't supposed to leave for their trip until the next day. They walked into Travis's bathroom, which was accessed through the master bedroom. So everything was behind that locked door bathroom. Yeah. And I, I believe that not only was it access to the master bedroom, but you actually had to walk through his closet to get to the bathroom. Like, you know how some bathrooms are like you walk through the bathroom and then there's the closet. His was like closet first and then bathroom. Okay, well, that's stupid. And then the door, Travis had locked. He has like double doors to his room and they had been locked the whole time. They walk into the bathroom to find Travis in a crumpled heap mm-hmm. dead on the floor of the walk-in shower.
1: And, and that's where you
0: left me last night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I left you last night. So they immediately call 911. Officers arrived quickly and began taking statements from the four that had been there and then also Enrique, his other roommate, who had showed up while they were on the phone with 911. Travis's best friend Taylor had been on the phone with Michelle when they found his body, and he Mm. raced over to the house as well. All of them were in immediate agreement about what happened. Travis's ex-girlfriend, Jodi Arias, had killed him. I'm sure there was no disputes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Zachary explained to the officers how neither he or Enrique, who lived with Travis, they hadn't noticed they'd been living with a dead body for four days. Four days? Four days. Zachary said he hadn't been home much. Mostly he'd been at his girlfriend's house, and he and Enrique had assumed that Travis had already gone on his trip to Mexico. Enrique had only been living in the house for a couple of weeks, and he wasn't really close with either of the roommates. There was a lot of talk about how they could have gone that long without noticing the smell. But Enrique said he didn't notice yes. the smell until Monday night. And it seems like it wasn't really overwhelming until they opened the master doors. And, you know, smells are weird. You get used to a smell after a while and they're boys. I don't know. It, it's weird they didn't notice. <laughs> but I don't think there's anything to that except that it's creepy as hell that they were in this house with yeah, like have you ever smelled a locker room you know right exactly they're like we're bachelors we're three guys living together in this house and they weren't like particularly like disgusting that I could tell like you know but there's like a pizza box or something (laughs) on the floor (laughs) or like dirty laundry like they you know anyways Zachary, the roommate, told detectives about Jody and how she would just show up all the time at the house. She'd just walk right in. And how when Travis was home, the front door was almost always unlocked. Zachary said he didn't even have a a key to the front door. That's how much they just, like, didn't lock their door. I don't understand that. What year is this? 2008. Oh. Yeah. This is is not the 70s. Yeah, I mean, this isn't making any sense. I guess they just, like, live in this Mormon community and are just very trusting. I don't know. Taylor, Travis's best friend, Taylor told detectives about his conversation with Travis a week before his death. Remember where he'd asked him if he was afraid that Jody would hurt him? And Travis was like, nah, she's crazy, but she's she's harmless. Yeah. Yeah. Another friend of Travis's was telling an officer about all the times that Jody had slashed his tires. Had slashed Travis's tires. Yeah. She had slashed his tires twice and Lisa, his girlfriend's tires, once. Yeah. Those are so expensive. And as he's telling this to the officer, his phone starts to ring and he looks at it and it was Jody calling him. <gasps> yeah. She bugged the house? Was the house bugged? No. Uh-uh. The detectives told him yeah. not to answer it. So Jody also called Travis's bishop at, at the Mormon church. And then she called the M- Mesa police. Like she was desperate to know what was happening.
1: Well, why would she assume something bad? Just because he
0: didn't answer? Like, shouldn't she assume he's in Mexico, too? Somebody told her that he had died. Detective Esteban Flores arrived at about 11 o'clock that night. And based on the cases that we've covered lately, you might be absolutely shocked to hear that Detective Flores put on both footwear and gloves before he entered the house. Can you believe it? That's all it takes to be the peep of the week (laughs) at this point. (laughs) The bar is on the floor. But even this seasoned detective couldn't help but wince at the smell as he walked inside. Yeah, I have, I still am not getting over that. We just, I know. He walked up the stairs and he noticed an open black camera bag with no camera inside. And he kind of just filed that in his brain and then he focused his attention on the master bedroom. Travis had one of the setups, yeah, where you get to the bathroom through the closet. So Flores walked inside to see the carnage in the bathroom. This scene is unbelievable. There's blood, literally everywhere. It's covering the walls. You don't tell me about it. I'll, the I'll mirror, believe you. the sink. Okay. There were thick puddles of blood on the floor. It indicated a violent assault that told Detective Flores that there had been a struggle as Travis attempted to defend himself. Travis's body had been there for four days and was decomposing. Travis's oh. neck had been slit, ear to ear. And there was a puncture wound in his chest. Detective Flores had seen enough for the time being. They needed to leave the house and come back with a search warrant to maintain the integrity of the investigation and any criminal charges that they would later bring. So I remember we had had that question in an episode one time about like, if you respond to a call and find a dead body, do you need a search warrant? And um, yes, they had no. to leave yeah. Travis where he was, which is mind-boggling to me that they didn't have like the M E out there. Like that's crazy to me. It was there until the yeah, next like, morning. Are their
1: roommates like packing it back and leaving. Oh yeah. People. Yeah. Well it's like, a, it's
0: close. The whole house is shut down. Like nobody yeah, can. Yeah. Like, you
1: gotta move out. They
0: ha- they're very much controlling who's in and out at this point. As Detective Flores left the house, he passed by the laundry room. And he noticed a smear of blood on the corner of the washing machine. And he thought it was weird because he hadn't seen any other evidence of the crime anywhere else inside of the house except for upstairs in the bedroom and then downstairs on this washing machine, this little smear of blood. And like,
1: we're not washing sheets. It's not like, it didn't look like anyone, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it doesn't sound like anyone was trying to clean up.
0: Right. It's not like they were like cleaning up after themselves. Right. Later, the medical examiner would determine that Travis had been shot in the face, stabbed 27 times, (gasps) and had his throat slit ear to ear, like I said.
1: Oh, my God. Two different weapons?
0: Yes. His cause of death was rapid blood loss.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So Detective Flores got his search warrant, and he assembled a team of detectives and forensic investigators, and they were back at the house just before 10 a.m. the next morning on June tenth, two 2008.
1: When I texted you, who this? You could have answered with, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, she's not worth
0: your time. <laughs> I would have been fine. But we haven't gotten to the best part. <gasps> this is not the best part. This is the worst part.
1: This is the worst part. <laughs> yeah.
0: Detective Flores was hopeful that Travis's attacker had gotten cut in the attack as well and that some of the blood in the bathroom might have come from the killer. They collected as much evidence as possible from the bathroom and the bedroom. They found a shell casing of a Winchester twenty-five caliber gun, but the gun wasn't anywhere in the house. They found multiple hair fibers near the shower, and one was much longer than Travis's hair. They found a bloody palm print, like a full palm print on the wall that might have come from the killer. And there was evidence on the floor that Travis's body had been dragged into the shower. (sighs) While at the house, Detective Flores got a message from a dispatcher that a Jody Arias wanted to speak to him. (sighs) By this time... The name was familiar enough to him, and he was actually pretty eager to speak with her, so he called her back, and she said she just wanted to offer her assistance because she knew Travis so well, but she told him that she'd been in Utah visiting friends when the murder happened, and she hadn't spoken to Travis since June 3rd. She said he was so strong, she didn't see how anyone would be able to overpower him. Detective Flores told her he figured it would have taken at least two people to have created that scene in the bathroom, and Jody said she thought maybe one of Travis's former roommates was behind the murder. He'd lived with this guy that he'd kicked out of the house not too long before. Uh, I think because he was being creepy towards like the women in the singles ward. <laughs> other than that, I appreciate that. <laughs> other than that, Jody said she had no idea who could have done this. I. Cannot believe the gumption to be calling. I know. Well, and they say, like, the killer always wants to, like, keep abreast of the investigation. Like, they want to know what's going on. She wants to know what they have. She wants to know, like, what they know. Yeah, like, bye. (laughs) Flores found Travis's phone, and computer forensics went through that and his computer. And based on the activity on them, they estimated that Travis died on June 4th. Adding other evidence and witness statements to that time, they narrowed his time of death to 5.30 p.m. Between 5.30 and 5.35 p.m. Oh. (laughs) That's very accurate. (laughs) Yes. Flores then remembered the smear of blood on the washing machine. Forensics had already swabbed it and confirmed that it was blood, so he went to look inside the washing machine, and he saw towels, sweatpants, t-shirts, Mormon undergarments, oh, I almost forgot, a black digital SLR Sony camera in the washing machine. What? It looked like it had gone through a wash cycle with the clothes, and it was clear to police that whoever had put that camera in the washing machine had wanted the images destroyed. But, like, why didn't she –
1: There's there's better ways to do that. You take it with you. You run it over. You catch it on fire. You throw it away. You drop it in a ditch. You feed it to an alligator at the zoo. Like, why are you putting it in the washer?
0: (laughs) Those are all very valid questions. But, like,
1: was it in a pocket? Like, was it in, like, the pocket of the sweatpants? It's like a – oh camera. like a touristy yeah like professional not like a i'm thinking of like the the sony cool pics that we used to take <laughs> right. out to like the no, bar It was <laughs> it's one of 2008 the- you know it could be though you know that hot pink yes be in like the i had clutch that one. and you're like out at the bar and you're like oh everybody have an actual camera because you weren't getting a good group pic on your razor phone
0: Meanwhile, Jody is just beside herself about Travis's death. She's writing poetry about it. She's posting letters to Travis on her MySpace page. She basically transformed her MySpace page into like a digital shrine for him. Is that still active? Can we get that MySpace? God, I hope so. The week his body was discovered, his sister Samantha said... Everyone loved Travis. His life was about helping other people and making the world a better place. His family wanted answers, but detectives were keeping the details of the case pretty quiet. It's like they knew that releasing every detail about the crime might somehow compromise the investigation or something. Like. Oh, my goodness. We have come so far. (laughs) Something we definitely haven't seen very often. (laughs) These cases. I'm I'm feeling very encouraged. But. Someone who was not shy about the details was Jody. She called Travis's bishop to confess that she and Travis had had a sexual relationship, and she asked the bishop if she should tell Mimi as part of her repentance. And the bishop is like, "No, girl, don't do that. That that no yeah. good would come of that." So instead, but- she called up several of Travis's closest friends and told them. It was like she wanted everyone to know that Travis wasn't as devout of a Mormon as he appeared. Like she wanted to ruin his reputation after he had died.
1: Well, like she wants everyone to know that she was closest with him. I feel like this that is too, like, that. yeah, I know mm-hmm. him best. You know, mm-hmm. we were intimate.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two memorial services were held for for Travis. The first one was oh, in Mesa on June sixteenth, and the second was a week later in California, where his family lived. Mormons- she better not have gone to either one. Oh, oh, you know she did. You know she was there front <sighs> and center. Mormons believe in a life after death. So funerals for them usually aren't like dark and depressing. They're a celebration of the person's life and their next phase of existence. They even believe that you can still meet and marry your eternal companion in the afterlife.
1: Oh, that's kind of cool. I know. will like
0: you didn't- if you didn't get it the first go around. Right. So they kind of you know. said that specifically because Travis died unmarried, and so he didn't have his eternal companion, but they're like, you can still meet them after. I like that. Jody came to the memorial in Mesa, and a lot of people thought yeah. that was really inappropriate considering they all thought she killed him.
1: Yeah, I think that's really inappropriate because I know she killed him.
0: Hmm. Some of Travis's <laughs> friends. <laughs> Oops, <stop laughing. laughs> I love that you <laughs> Yeah, Some of Travis's friends, the ones who had gotten to know Jody really well, they didn't believe that she could have done it. And I think that that's just like, anytime you know somebody well, you don't think that they could have committed a murder like this, you know? Well, and you don't want them to. If you've gotten
1: to know them, like, you don't want it to be someone you know that right. you hung out with or that you've, like, encouraged them to be together or whatever. Right.
0: Absolutely. And so they told her that people were saying that they thought that she had killed Travis. Her mom even heard the rumors and she asked Jody straight up, did you go to Arizona? And Jodi said, nope, I was nowhere near Arizona and I have the gas receipts and everything to prove it. Oh, that's is to me how you know. I mean, did she have a lam I bet she had a laminated, you know? I bet she like laminated. She already put together her PowerPoint slides. (laughs) She has them in a scrapbook. Like, here's my gas receipt from Pasadena. Here's my gas receipt from Uh Nevada. The day of Travis's memorial, Detective Flores called Jody to ask if she'd be willing to voluntarily provide fingerprints and DNA samples. He said it was to exclude her from anything that they found in the house. Jody came the next girl. day with Mimi, Dallin, and Michelle, the friends that had helped find that, the friends that had found Travis mm-hmm. to all provide DNA samples and fingerprints. Dallin, Mimi, and Michelle all also volunteered for a follow-up interview. But Jody was like, Oh gosh, I'd love to, but I'm like super uncomfy that all these people think I did it. So I'm gonna have to get a lawyer, which is great. Everyone should do that. Get you a lawyer, girl. Yeah. But investigators were learning more and more about Jody. They learned about the scathing anonymous email sent to Lisa Andrews that she was sure Jody had sent. They learned about all the tires getting slashed. Friends described Jody as acting very fatal attraction. Detective uh, Detective Michael Melendez was a computer forensic detective who was in charge of going through all the electronic equipment from Travis's house. And the piece of equipment he was most curious about, as are we all, the camera was the camera that had been found in the washing machine. Yeah, like is she taking photos? Travis's roommates had been interviewed and neither said they'd done laundry that week, which is the least surprising thing I've heard about. She <laughs> was two. Just
1: about to say, like, <laughs> duh, I would have known that without an interview. <laughs>
0: The camera had been dead when it was collected as evidence, so Melendez bought a power cord for it, and when he turned it on, he saw that the camera was no longer functioning, like, it wouldn't take pictures, he couldn't see any images on the camera's, like, internal memory, Uh so he turned to the memory card, hoping to see what he could recover from there, and, oh, boy, what he found. It was June 19th. This is 10 days after Travis's body had been found. Melendez called Detective Flores to come down and see what he'd found on the camera. The pictures had been deleted, but Melendez had been able to restore them, and it was literally unbelievable. I mean, case, silver platter, here you go. Why? So, as a reminder, Travis's time of death was put at Thursday, June 4th, 2008, by a medical examiner. The pictures on this camera were time-stamped June 4th, 2008. The first picture that they saw, 5.22 p.m. It was a picture of Travis alive in his master bathroom shower, like with his head tilted up and water splashing on his face.
1: (sighs) This is sad. I don't think I can do this.
0: A picture taken on the last day of his life, In the place, he died. There were several more pictures of Travis showering, posing awkwardly for the camera. Like, these weren't peeping Tom pictures. He knew they were being taken. In one of the last pictures, it was a close-up of his face, and he was staring directly into the lens of the camera. The timestamp was 5.29 p.m. The next pictures were more like, oopsies, didn't mean to take that. The last photo of him alive was of the bottom right part of his body. And then, like, like it had just accidentally gone off the camera. Yeah. And then 44 seconds later, a picture was taken that was blurry and dark of the ceiling above the shower. 62 seconds later, another photo, dark and unclear. Melinda's had enhanced it to figure out what he was looking at. It was a photo of the back of Travis's head. With blood dripping down his arm, and someone was standing in front of his body in the picture. All you can see of the person is their right pant leg and foot. They were wearing a dark colored sock or shoe with striped sweatpants that had a zipper on the back of the cuff of the sweatpants. The next picture also had to be enhanced. It was of the baseboards and the bathroom hallway, and you can see a blurry image of a figure on the floor, (gasps) and it looks like someone is dragging Travis's body. What is happening? The killer had accidentally photographed the victim while committing the murder. Too bad they couldn't make out who the other person was in the pictures.
1: I, I, I mean, I feel like we can. I feel like the sweatpants are pretty descriptive.
0: Yeah, they never found those sweatpants. But you know what they could make out? The other person in the pictures taken four hours earlier at 1.44 (gasps) in the afternoon on June 4th, 2008. Several very X-rated photos of Travis Mm. with a woman. A woman that Detective Flores immediately recognized as Jodi Arias. She had not been in Utah that day, like she'd said. She had been in Travis's bedroom adjacent to the crime scene.
1: O-M-G. It's like I knew that, but like hearing you say it.
0: That there were photos?
1: I mean, come on.
0: She went through all that trouble of like
1: mapping out, turning off her phone,
0: getting gas Can She could have taken that memory card and thrown it out her window on the drive through the desert and it would have been, nobody would have ever found it could set it on fire <laughs> yeah she could have, have literally it. fed it to an alligator at the zoo she could have literally taken it to the dump and thrown it in the garbage nobody would have ever yeah. found that memory card it's too small she could have done right. anything no one, with well
1: it. no one would have assumed that there was a camera right like nobody would have been looking for the memory card yeah no one would have looked for a camera no
0: like she want to get caught right Jody kept calling Flores to get updates on the case, and finally, on June 25th, she agreed to do an interview over the phone. Flores wanted to get her alibi on tape because he knew how much fun it was going to be to just go back and just rip it all to shreds. Yeah, like, (laughs) let me get you telling this whole story, and I'm going to poke all these little holes in it, photo by photo. And then I'm going to tell you how your story could never have happened. He made it seem like they were just completely clueless about this murder. She told him all about her road trip and how Travis had made her feel guilty for not coming to Arizona to see him. She said they talked on the phone on her trip, but it was just to pass the time on the road. She told him all about getting lost on her way to Salt Lake City and how she got there the morning of Thursday, June
1: 5th. Oh, yeah, how she went 100 miles all the way, but then that added another extra 12 hours.
0: Another extra, like, 24 hours, yeah. Yeah. She also told him about their ongoing sexual relationship, but she said they both knew they weren't exactly on a path to marriage. Both of them knew that. Did they, though? Did they, though? Flores asked her about the camera, like, towards the end of the conversation. Jody told him Travis had called her for advice because she's a photographer and said she couldn't remember what he got, but it sounded like a really nice camera. Flores said... So, you never got to see the camera or anything? And Jody said, nope. He told her they found it and that it was pretty much ruined. And they just couldn't imagine why someone would want to destroy his camera. He asked her again if she was sure she'd never used or seen the camera. And she said, no, I've never seen that camera. And he knew she was lying to him because she's on the camera oh. with a time stamped photo. <laughs> She's obviously holding said camera when it's just the photos of him in the shower. Right. I mean, like that's the would, assumption when, when she's the one on the camera like four hours earlier. Yeah. After they got off the phone, Flores went and mapped out Jody's road trip. I also mapped out Jody's road trip. <laughs> I am not surprised by that. She left from L.A. to head to Salt Lake City, which is about an 11-hour drive. It took her 48 hours to get there. She blamed that on getting lost. She said she'd driven more than a hundred miles going the wrong way. That would still only add let's say An hour seven hours and a half. Let's say seven hours on her trip. Like three out three hours that way, three hours back. That's like way more than a hundred miles, but let's just say that adds seven hours, being kind. That puts us at 18 hours to get to Salt Lake City. She said she slept in her car on the way. So let's give her a nice 12-hour nap. Okay. She's 12 hours. I mean, in the car. that no. That's way too generous. That's way too generous. Yeah, that's being way too generous. And we are still only at 30 hours to get to Salt Lake City. So what about the extra 18 hours? LA to Mesa, on the other hand, was about a seven-hour drive. Mesa to Salt Lake City was 11 hours giving her 10 hours to rest. That's 22 hours. That gives her plenty of time to spend an afternoon with Travis, having sex, taking pictures of him and then murdering him in the shower and then getting to Salt Lake city. Plenty of time. Well, I mean that timeline adds up more. Mm -hmm. I
1: mean like that's what she was doing. The other stuff is like, you're giving her so much to account for the, but but
0: and From, there's still a missing eight. Even if you're giving her all this time to sleep to yeah. get lost, there's still a missing eighteen hours there that are unaccounted for. Yeah. So Detective Flores talked to Ryan, the guy in Salt Lake City that she'd gone to go meet. He said yeah, he what's he up to? Yeah,
1: he, Is he freaking out.
0: <laughs> he said he'd talked to Jody on June third, and she told him that she was planning on being in Salt Lake City the next morning, June fourth. But he didn't hear from her until the next night, the night of June 4th, the night that Travis was murdered. That's the next time he hears from her. And that's when she called him about being lost, saying her phone had died. She hadn't managed to find her charger for like 12 hours. I'm sorry, if mm-hmm. I'm lost, I'm not waiting 12 hours to charge my phone. I'm driving to a store with chargers and I'm buying one. Yeah. I'm freaking if- out. I'm lost it- in the middle of the desert.
1: Right, I was going to say, 2008, like, if I'm lost, I'm getting a charger and then putting it in Apple Maps or whatever. Like,
0: Right. Then it still wasn't, so he doesn't hear from her again until the night of June 4th. He expected to hear from her that morning, so it's 12 hours uh later than he expected that he hears from her. It's still another 12 hours, the morning of June 5th, that she actually arrives in Salt Lake City.
1: The next, mor- yeah, because Travis died June 4th. Uh-huh. So she arrives June 5th. Okay.
0: Yeah, she arrives the morning of June 5th. So it's like, I don't know why she told Ryan to expect her the morning of June 4th. Like, was, and it couldn't be a last minute decision to go to Mesa because she'd gotten the gas cans and everything. Like, that's clearly shows she was planning on, like, il- eluding the evading. Evading. Eluding. <laughs> I don't know. Either
1: one. Where does she live? Like, where's where's she's living in Wairica at at this point?
0: In Wairica, California, which is in Northern California. Which is how far from Mesa, which is where Travis lives, right? I think it's like 12 hours from Wairica to Mesa, but she wasn't driving, she wasn't leaving from Wairica. She'd driven down to like San Diego, she'd stayed with Matt McCartney, then she'd driven down to LA and all of that. I was just thinking through like after the murder. Where is she like she,
1: she changing and like getting ready and all and then driving out? Like she did that at someone else's place. Probably
0: probably at Travis's. Yeah, gross. It's really sad. They traced her cell phone records through her road trip until her last call to Travis at 834 on June 3rd, when her phone was then turned off for 27 hours until she turned it back on around 11 p.m. the next day, June 4th, the day Travis was murdered. When she turned her phone on, she was in Nevada, about 200 miles northwest of Mesa. So if Travis was killed at 5.30, like those pictures on the camera show, and she clearly didn't do a whole lot of cleanup, like she dragged the body into the shower and then did a load of laundry, throwing her camera in there, which is so, or his camera, that was his camera, which is so weird. And then she's 200 miles away from his place. Yeah, when she turns her phone back on at 11. So she would have had- Which is three
1: hours, because- Louisville and Columbus are two basically a hundred and like ninety miles apart, and that's three hours and fifteen minutes on the yeah, dot. Plenty so, of time. So, like, she,
0: yeah, she could have left at eight o'clock and been there at eleven, mm-hmm. and that would have given her yeah, 30 seven two and a half to- hours to do whatever she needed to do to like get herself ready to go to Salt Lake City. I dislike her very, very much. <sighs> When she turned her phone back on, she made that call to Ryan to let him know that she was still on her way, but that she would be 24 hours late, and then she called Travis several times. Uh. Police also looked at her bank records, which also seemed to stop the same time her phone did. Her activity was totally normal until she left Pasadena on June 3rd, and she made all those purchases at the gas station, where she was probably filling up all those extra gas cans, because she made like three purchases at the gas station. And taking out cash from an ATM. Yes, she turned her phone off right after that. And she made no purchases the entire day of June 4th or June 5th. It wasn't until the morning of June 6th, which is after she left Salt Lake City from Ryan's house, that she made any other purchases. So she's going to tell people that she made it all the way from Pasadena to getting lost, driving 100 miles out of her way to Salt Lake City. Drove around Salt Lake City because they went to like a few prepaid legal events. She drove her car, then she left Salt Lake City and made it to Reno, Nevada, without needing to fill up on gas. Even a
1: large Dr Pepper? No, like you at least need a Slim Jim or a snack. You need gas.
0: Like, I mean, you need gas. Yeah. Girl, is in a Ford, not a Tesla, not even a Prius. Well, she's in a Ford. She's in a Ford Focus, though. I mean, three gas cans. That's the three full tanks of gas. I mean. But that's what I'm saying. She's not. Uh, we're assuming she doesn't have these gas cans. Like she didn't like make up this whole thing. Like she would have needed uh, to fill up on gas. Oh, yeah, yeah. On yeah. those, you know, hollow lost yeah. days of she's not on a phone and she's yes. nowhere on the bank. And it just happens to be the day that Travis dies. That right. everything is radio silent. There's no activity. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that she filled up those gas cans and used those. Like, she would have had to have gotten gas. This makes me think about carrying cash. Russell's always like,
1: you don't have cash on you. Like, you you know, to be safe, carry cash. I'm like, no, I want a record of where
0: I'm at all the time. Get the receipts. Get them laminated. Put them in a scrapbook. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is the time I stopped and got Waffle House. This is the time I stopped and got gas.
0: So police are able to ID that bloody palm print on the bathroom wall to Jodi Arias. Not only that, but the blood. Seriously? Pr- yes. Not only that, but the blood from the print came back as a mixture of Travis and Jody's blood. It matched her on all 16 genetic markers. Like, very clearly, it was her blood.
1: Her trial better last five minutes, tops. <laughs> it lasted
0: like five months. On July 9th, 2008, a warrant was issued for her arrest, and officers flew out to California to arrest her for first-degree murder. Flores was one of the officers there, and when he arrived, police in Wairika told him about the burglary at Jody's grandparents' house. Remember how six days before the murder, a gun was stolen from their house? The gun that was stolen had matched the same caliber that was used in Travis's homicide.
1: But he was shot and stabbed.
0: Yes. That's wild to me i know really terrible i know they also discovered that jody had purchased a gun on july 1st after the murders which they thought was odd officers arrested her at 6 30 in the morning on july 15th they asked her if she understood her rights after they'd read them to her and she said yes and then she asked if it would be possible for her to go get her makeup (laughs) they said no but they did go back and do yeah. a full search of her grandparents' house where she was living and her parents' house where she'd grown up. And there they found a box of 25 caliber ammunition. I hope they rummaged all through her little makeup. <laughs> that's what I hope. When they pulled Jody in for questioning, she pulled a shaggy. It wasn't me. I wasn't there. Are you sure that's me in the <gasps> pictures? Because I wasn't there. You did not say <laughs> She explained away the blood and the hair, saying that she used to bathe Napoleon, Travis's dog, in the shower all the time. The dog, by the way, went to live with one of Travis's best friends, Deanna Reed, who lives in California and gave him a really good life. So,
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for that update because that would have consumed the rest of my
0: brain space. I know. The dog is fine. Jody said she would never hurt Travis. Then she said, let's say for a second I did it. I wouldn't even say I was jealous. If anything, or if anyone, Travis was jealous. Mm. She said there was nothing Mm. that could link her to his house that night. She said the woman in the photos looked like her, but it wasn't her. And she said it wasn't her foot in the blurry photo of Travis's body. Oh, my God, This is some zanny, the Nanny stuff. They brought up the bloody palm print and she said, "It can't be my blood because I don't have any cut because I don't have any cuts that would have bled. Except when she showed up at Ryan's house in Salt Lake City, her hands were all bandaged up, and she said she'd been bartending Fingers. and broke a glass. But she was still <sighs> denying it. Once she was faced with every piece of evidence, she started crying and said, I'm just feeling all the things I'm potentially going to miss out on with my family. (gasps) Then when Flores told her they were going to book her and she would be standing trial, she asked if she could clean herself up a bit before they booked her. Then she looked up at the ceiling and said, You should have at least done your makeup, Jody. Gosh. Oh, my goodness. She was really upset that she wasn't going to look good in her mugshot, that she already knew would be all over the internet. Her mugshot, by the way, looks like a school photo. Like, her head is tilted and she's smiling. I gotta show you this. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I was should... <laughs> Like, look at this girl. You
1: never think about, like, how you don't know anyone at all, and then you meet them and you start dating them, and you really have no idea until you're, like, in in it like Uh whether or not this person is like stable you know you just meet people whether or not it's like you're gonna date them or they're your friend or whatever like man, i'm at capacity no new friends here like
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know (laughs) okay Okay, do you see this picture
1: (gasps) what is this that's her mug shot if you like cropped this where you couldn't see the orange and white, this would look like a senior photo. Uh,
0: that's what I'm saying. It looks like a school photo. She looks adorable. It's just like soft
1: smiling. Yeah, I know. I've got to. I've got to delete this out of our text. It's gonna keep me up. I'm deleting. Okay. This. <laughs> like, it's just like all. It's like all of our text, Like hey, blah blah blah, and then boom, <laughs> Jody. Just Jody, and, and her thin eyebrows.
0: The next day, Flora's interviewed her again, and this time her story has changed. Turns out she was in Arizona. Imagine that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd have to—I mean, you have to admit
0: at least, like, being you can't be like, "It was—it wasn't me. It wasn't me." Yeah, <laughs> but it literally was. You saw me. You even caught me on camera. It wasn't me. <laughs> you know? She told Flores that Travis had wanted her to come to Arizona on her road trip, and initially she'd said no, but then she called him back and said she changed her mind because she missed him, and she took the 400-mile detour to Mesa. She got to Mesa around 4 a.m., and she said he was up when she got there, but his roommates were asleep upstairs, so Jody and Travis went upstairs to his room and fell asleep. They both woke up around one in the afternoon and the roommates were gone. They never saw her there. Travis got out his new digital camera and took pictures of her. They hung out. They had sex. And she got him to agree to that photo shoot in the shower. Wait, he got her
1: to agree or she got him to agree?
0: She got him to agree to it.
1: Oh, so she was taking, like she admitted that she was taking the video. Uh-huh. I uh, am not trying to, like, you know, I'm all for sex positivity, but, like, nude photos and, like, naked photos and all that is, like, not anything that ever seems like a good idea to me. Yeah,
0: like these photos, they were taking, like, close-ups, MoGab. Ew. Yeah. That's not flattering on anyone. No. But, like – not of the face, like you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, I get what okay. you're saying. Man. I'm not interested in any further
1: details. <laughs> I don't want to give them Thank you. goodbye. I do not want to give them. <laughs> Did you see them? Oh God, no! <laughs> is the book is the book like a photo? You know, in the middle mm-hmm. of the book, it's got like the twenty pages
0: of color photos. I mean, I had the ebook, but no, I didn't see any photos in it.
1: <sighs> They're like, here is the SD card from the
0: digital right. camera. She said he didn't really want to do it at first. He felt uncomfortable for the first few photos. And it's weird. then he like kind of got into it a little bit, I guess. And then she didn't know what happened after that. That was. Uh, what does she mean? That was all she remembered. But then the memories came back to her. Don't worry. They came back. So to she her. just
1: like blacked out from that part but then like remembers after like leaving and everything.
0: Like that whole like Right. But then suddenly mm-hmm. Mogab she remembered what happened. Okay, this is what happened. They were in the shower together and then suddenly a loud bang was heard and Travis was just bleeding and she turned around to see two people in the bathroom wearing ski masks, gloves and long sleeve oh, black wow. shirts. This is a completely true story, Mogab. It wasn't Jody. It was a man and a woman, and the man was holding a gun. And she said Travis was screaming the whole time. But don't worry, not screaming like a girl. That's what she said. She's he what he was screaming like he was in pain, not like a girl. Okay. Oh I'm glad she made that clarification. <laughs> She told this whole story of this tussle. Wait,
1: so she, wait, he's screaming not like a girl and no one here. Oh, the roommates have gone.
0: Yeah, the roommates are gone. The roommates are gone. And she told this whole story of this tussle with these two people and Travis telling her to run. Save yourself, Jody. She said the people threatened her family if she ever said anything about this and that's why she'd never gotten him help or said anything because she would face a lifetime in prison to protect her loved ones. Oh no! Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, but then Flores reminded Jody that Travis had excellent relationships with everyone except for her. Like everyone liked him, and he didn't yeah. really argue with anyone except her. So who would these masked intruders be trying to kill him? She said that was in her. the middle of the day. Right. But she said that was all she knew. Flores told her she was yeah. so obviously lying, but she stuck to her story this second far-fetched story
1: and like she leaves then she's drives to utah and doesn't think to call even though she's called the detective she's not like hey someone like barged in and shot him right right that
0: just didn't yeah she just left Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because they were going to kill her family they had she said they they went into her purse and they got her id and they knew where she lived and they were going to come and kill her family if she ever told on them
1: It is always surprising to me how much time and, like, forethought goes into, I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to use cash and not a bankruptcy. I'm going to get all these gas cans. But I'm not in this, like, 48-hour drive that I'm doing. I'm not going to think of, like, a good story. Right. Like, I I don't understand how you can't come up with anything. I'm going to make sure that
0: nobody in Mesa sees me in Mesa, but I'm going to take pictures. Yeah. I'm going to... Not take the camera. I guess she like then deleted I think the pictures. She wanted to be
1: caught. Like I think she wanted. I don't know. I think she's like so
0: obsessed with. I them. think she also assumed that when she deleted the photos, that they were deleted. That they were gone. Nothing's ever deleted. Truly. The internet is written in ink, Mark. That's from what is that from Social Network? <laughs> oh yeah. The only thing that
1: ever is deleted is that like one word document you that forgot you to save. Recover.
0: It, yeah. You cannot
1: recover, and it's like your twenty-page uh-huh. paper for a it's final. Happened to me, and, you know. That's never
0: recovered, but right. But these pictures of you in his bedroom yeah. on the day that he was murdered, yep, those we can get. The text message you send to your ex late at night, <laughs> right. yeah, th- those will come mm-hmm. back. But mm-hmm. this episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's pros ecom slash creepers. For your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Juan Martinez was the prosecutor assigned to the case. He had a reputation of being pretty aggressive in court. He was a no-nonsense type of guy who rarely entered into plea bargains. Sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> Jody's lawyer was a public defender named Lawrence Kirk Nurmi. I think that's how you say it. Oh. Who mostly defended people accused of sexual assault and child molestation. Jody pled not guilty, shocker, and went back to her cell and wrote an 18-page letter to Travis's grandmother. Remember, this is the woman that like took Travis in when yes. his life Especially was terrible. Like mother figure. Yeah. Raised him, brought him into Mormonism. The 18-page letter detailed this story about the two intruders that Jody had concocted but his grandma already knew about all the evidence against her and she was just disgusted by this letter. Wait, who sent the letter, Jody? Yes, from prison. Like to say what? Like it wasn't like, me. this is what really yes. happened. Jody was so rude. very popular in prison. She even won a singing contest against 50 other inmates she's saying wait
1: why are they doing
0: she's saying Oh, holy there? night <laughs> or silent night she's saying silent night why are we why are we doing singing contests you know, something to do you know gotta pass the time she was also very popular with the media as i'm sure you can imagine she's this like pretty little girl who committed this brutal murder she granted so many interview requests while she was in jail, all of which were against the advice of her lawyer because everything she says can be used against her in court. And at first, she seemed more interested in exposing Travis as a sinner, exposing the fact that he had not followed this Mormon rule of chastity. She talked a lot about their sex life, and she never brought up this two-intruder story with the media.
1: In any of those interviews. So. If you're doing an interview, that can be used in court, even if...
0: Oh, 100%. They'll just pop the tape in and be like, what did you say here? That's not what you're saying now. So are are you lying then or are you lying now, you know? Yeah, yeah. So she never brought up this two intruder story until she went on Inside Edition. She then revealed this story and she said, quote... No jury is going to convict me because I'm innocent. And you can mark my words on that one. No jury will convict me. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yikes. In another interview, she said that the intruder with the gun put the gun to her head and squeezed the trigger, but the gun was jammed like it didn't fire. So she grabbed her purse and ran out the front door. The Maricopa County Attorney's Office, where this case would be tried, filed a notice that they were going to be seeking the death penalty against Jody. Mm. The biggest thing going against the prosecution, was the only thing, was the fact that Jody Mm. was pretty. Jody's defense attorney set her up with a forensic psychologist in 2009, and she met with him several times over the next couple of years. And at first, she stuck to this intruder story— but after two years of that and just lots of encouragement to tell the truth, Jodi admitted she'd lied and she told her third story of what actually <gasps> happened. So two years later, she finally tells this third story. What was the first story? She wasn't there. And then the second story was the intruder. Okay. Even caught me on camera. wasn't shaggy. Yeah. shaggy. The shaggy. We got the shaggy story. We got the intruder story. And now we have the worst story of them all. And that is that Travis was physically and sexually abusive towards her. She said that on the day of the murder in between the sexy shower photos and the photo five minutes later showing him dead on the ground, he attacked her and threw her on the ground and she picked up a gun and shot him. Then her defense attorney, Nermi received an envelope from an anonymous person that contained several handwritten letters signed by Travis Alexander that all seemed to be written to Jodi between 2006 and 2008 that all admitted to acts of pedophilia and just really terrible stuff. In one of them, Travis admitted to hitting her in the face. So she sent these letters. They were anonymous, Mogab. We have no way of knowing that. But how would she
1: have sent him if she's in
0: jail? I mean, wouldn't it show that they came from jail? Or she passed him to somebody? Uh, but again, no way of knowing. Anonymous, right? Jody's defense tried to use this to get Jody a plea deal for second degree murder. They said that a trial would mean that Travis wouldn't be painted in a good light. He'd be seen as a sexual deviant. And all of that would come out, and it could all be avoided with this second-degree murder plea.
1: Something tells me Travis isn't too concerned.
0: No, and his family said absolutely not, and the plea was rejected. Also, it was revealed that those letters had been made as if someone had cut up pieces of his writing, like maybe from his journals, and pieced them back together to make those letters. They were copies. The letters were like copies of the letters. Jody said the originals had been destroyed. Mm. Then one day, and this is just another one of those incidents that makes me feel like I'm recanting a movie and not an actual, like, event.
1: Yes, in real life. Right.
0: The prosecutor, Martinez, he was at the jail to interview someone unrelated to this case when he saw Jody in the, like, visiting area. He saw her hand a few magazines to the guard so that the guard could pass them to the woman that she was meeting with. The woman was a friend of an old cellmate of Jody's, Donovan Baring. Martinez thought it was weird, like, why would someone on the outside need to get magazines from someone on the inside? He told the guard to hold the magazines, to not pass them. He got a warrant, and he took them. And when they poured over these magazines, they realized that inside there was a code. And it was a very easy code to piece together. In one of the magazines, there was like a series of numbers written in pencil on one page, like 37, 42, Uh 75, you know, on the corresponding pages in that order of the other magazine were parts of a message written in pencil. So like page 37, it would say this part of the message, page 42, this part of the message. Putting it all together, the message said, you fucked up. What you told my attorney the next day directly contradicts what I've been saying for over a year. Get down here ASAP. See me before you talk to them again and before you testify so we can fix this. Interview was excellent! Must talk ASAP!
1: That's not even a good, they didn't even hide that. You could have hid that so much easier. You could have like circled letter. well I'm not going to give out my secret code (laughs) but you know I mean there could have been something
0: more. Yeah. Martinez was able to figure out that the intended recipient was an ex-boyfriend of Jody's, Matt McCartney, who'd just spoken with Jody's attorneys about verifying those letters. Like, he was going to testify that he had seen the original letters a few years before. Basically, he was (sighs) going to lie for her. But the judge ended up ruling that the letters would be inadmissible because, of course, they were. The night before her trial on August 8th, 2011, Jody stood in front of a judge and actually said these words. <clears throat> Are you ready? Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Your Honor, I'd like to represent myself.
1: No. <gasps> <laughs> no. Like in her own trial. Do when that happens, when that happens, can the judge say, ma'am, I would advise you don't do that.
0: Oh, he did. He he even asked her, have you even read the statute that you're accused of? She was like, no, I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. Do you out. know what a statute is? Yeah. He told her that it would, that he highly recommended that she have counsel. Jody had dropped out of high school. She'd gotten her GED while she was in prison. She hadn't even read the statute she was accused of. And she wanted to go up against the top prosecutor in the state. One with a reputation of being really aggressive. Four days later, she was like, never mind. This is hard. I'd like a defense attorney, please. Oh, my Both word. of her public defenders would try to withdraw from the case, and one was able to, Victoria Washington, but Nurmi was stuck with her. They wouldn't let her go. And I'm going to say this here. I have it at the end, but... <laughs> He actually ended up getting disbarred because he wrote a tell-all book about her, like, obviously like <laughs> going against attorney-client privilege. And so he was disbarred and he was like, I, surre- I voluntarily surrendered my license so that I would never have to deal with her again. <laughs> Someone please send that book to our people. <laughs> The new attorney that replaced Washington was named... Wait, is that the book you read? No, No, uh, the book I read was called Picture Perfect. It's like a big Jodi Arias book. The new attorney that replaced Washington was Jennifer Wilmot. And once she was on the team, Jodi's defense became very clear. They were going to say that Jodi had dropped Travis's brand new, nice, fancy camera. And he had become so enraged that she was forced to kill him in self-defense. They have thrown out so many stories. Right. And remember, uh, this self-defense consisted of 27 stab wounds, a slit throat, and a shot in the face, which was probably done after he was already dead or while he was dying. The bullet. And before anyone comes for me saying I'm going back on my stance of self-defense when it comes to abusive relationships because I excused away Susan Wright's 193 stabbings, listen... Susan Wright lived with that guy, was married to the guy, had kids with that guy, and she couldn't leave him without risking him killing her. I firmly believe that. Meanwhile, Jody was living in another state, went to great lengths so no one would know she'd gone to Arizona. She didn't buy gas anywhere near his house. She turned her phone off. She lied and lied and lied to everyone. I hope anyone who has ever listened to a single other episode of ours knows how seriously I take domestic violence situations. Like, I'm a firm believer of listen to all women, listen to them, investigate. And I listened to Jody's claims. And I looked at the fact that there is not a shred of evidence to support anything that she says and that she is lying. And what really makes me mad is that it's people like her that make it so much more difficult for actual victims of domestic violence to be heard. So no, those two cases are not the same. I don't care that Susan Wright stabbed him 193 times. Not the same. Jody's I feel like you're like shouting this
1: at me. Um but I but I I understand. I understand why this is necessary. Excellent.
0: I can. Good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> want to make sure we're on the same page. Jody stabbed Travis 27 times, shot him, and slit his throat, and she's now saying she did it in self-defense because he attacked her for dropping his new camera.
1: And I just she called a couple days after, or a day after, called the detective. Is like, I just want to help. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And now it's oh, I like even if you didn't do it and you didn't know anything, you'd be like, I was with him that morning. Right.
0: Yes. I left at whatever two p.m. I was there at like and, one. I left around like four, and he was fine when yeah. I left. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. January second, twenty thirteen. This is four and a half years after the murder of Travis Alexander jody's trial begins this was one four years later four and a half yeah this was one of the most high profile trials in arizona history one person actually scalped their seat in the courtroom for two hundred dollars where where was i why did i i feel like watching this in real time would have been (laughs) interesting something yeah jody looked a lot different at the trial After spending over four years in jail, she had a bad haircut and she wore horn-rimmed glasses to her trial. It was not the same tilted head smile as in her mugshot. In his opening statement, the prosecutor Martinez went through the crime. He said that while Travis showered, he was stabbed in the heart. He staggered toward the bathroom sink and was repeatedly stabbed. He tried to defend himself, as shown by the defensive wounds on his body. And then while he lay dying or maybe after he was already dead, she shot him in the head. And that order of events huh. is important because Jody is going to try to say that she shot him first and then mm. stabbed him. He then went – Which – why? If you shot him in the face. Like, he's dead. You so why would you go and stab him after? Yeah. But I guess right. if you're going after self-defense, it makes a lot more yeah, sense the- to shoot than stab. Then to stab, stab, stab. Well, I guess it doesn't. Like, if you stab, 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 and he's still alive, and he's still coming after you, and then you get the gun, and then you shoot it, I mean, that to me, that would make sense, too. But not that I think any part of her story makes (laughs) any sense at all. He then went through her actions after the murder, how she lied about ever being there, even after they showed her the pictures. Then she came up with this story about the intruders, and they played for the jury the clip of her on Inside Edition saying that no jury would ever convict her. The defense got up for their opening statement and said that there was no question that Jody killed Travis. The question is, what made her do it? They spoke about the hold Travis had over Jody, how even after she moved back to California, he continued emailing, texting, and calling her, and that he'd sexually manipulated her. But Travis was the one breaking his chastity vow, not Jody, until she converted to Mormonism, you know, a few months into their relationship. He said that when Jody was at his house on June 4th, he told her that he was going to kill her. He persuaded Jody to come to Arizona, and he'd even bought rope to tie Jody up with during sex. Wow. Then he wanted to take pictures of Jody. Uh After that, they went to the den in Travis's house to copy some pictures onto a CD, but he got so mad when they wouldn't work, and Jody knew the only thing that would calm him down was sex, so they had sex in the den. No other woman Travis ever dated ever said that he had anger issues, like none of them, but she says she thought that he was going to hurt her because these pictures wouldn't copy onto the CD-ROM, and he was so frustrated.
1: Did any of the other women say that he like was into the photos or the like tying up with robes? Well, he never like- had sex
0: with any of them. Oh. They're okay. chast Mormons. That's right. They're good Mormons. Yes. They sleep in separate bedrooms when they go on vacation together. Yeah. Then later, it was Travis who wanted Jody to photograph him, not the other way around, like she'd previously said in interviews with the police. But then, oops, <sighs> Jody dropped the camera, and Travis became so enraged. He lunged at Jody in anger. Her life was in danger, and she had a choice to make to live over the camera or to die. I mean, what else do they have? Like, what else could they say? Yeah. If she hadn't killed Travis, he would have killed her. That's what they say. Her defense set out to make Travis look as bad as possible. He got Mimi on the stand to say that sexual immorality was one of the top sins of Mormonism. It was something you could be excommunicated over. And I have to say that if you are in any organization where you can be excommunicated, you know, maybe take a second look. That's all I'm saying
1: i'm expelling people left and right around here so i disagree (laughs)
0: just kidding cut that the prosecution put a forensic scientist on the stand to testify that travis was stabbed and his throat slit before he was shot again that doesn't bode well for self-defense so the defense tried to go hard after any witness who was giving evidence that that was the sequence of events but none of these witnesses could be impeached meaning they all stuck to what they had said and backed it up with the evidence from the autopsy and the crime scene i mean there's just like no other story there's
1: no other like alternate ending
0: no you know they played all the recorded phone calls the ones that Jody recorded to use as blackmail i'm pretty sure by the way They showed all the messages Travis sent to her, calling her a slut and a whore to show that he only saw her in in a sexual way. But on redirect, it came out that in those same conversations, Travis was accusing Jody of using him sexually. I mean, and let's all just accept that
1: text messages can be altered, you can create your own, you can... Well, and this
0: was a very toxic relationship on both sides. Like, both of them, like, they were not good together at Mm -hmm. all. Like, that is very clear. This was not a healthy relationship, but there is nothing to show that he was, had a pattern of abuse towards her, and he didn't have abuse towards any other woman that he ever dated or anyone else ever. Towards the start of the trial, Jody made her last ditch effort to walk free from jail. She had her mom go to the National Enquirer so that they would print those letters supposedly written by Travis. She only had the electronic copy and her mom told the reporter that she was only giving the letters to them because Jody wanted her to and that Jody had several other letters that she was holding off on releasing. But the scheme backfired because even the Inquirer saw the real story here, that this was Jody's last ditch effort to walk free from jail. They yeah. found a source that said, this just shows how desperate and evil and manipulative Jody is. <gasps> so that, that was the story they went with. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, so they ran that yep.
0: one. After outlining every piece of evidence against jody the photos, the DNA, the phone and bank records, everything, they rested and it was the defense's turn. And the defense had one agenda to ruin Travis's reputation. They called Jody's ex-boyfriend Daryl to the stand, which turned out to be a big mistake because then he could testify about Daryl. Yeah, and now he can testify about giving her those gas cans after she stopped by his house on her road trip to Salt Lake City oh no lisa andrews testified that travis had never been rough or inappropriate with her at all and then jody arias took the stand she testified that she killed travis but only because he attacked her and she defended herself she talked about how she felt used by travis and how in public he wouldn't even hold her hand yeah he was a terrible boyfriend to her terrible but there are pictures of him, like, with his arms around her on vacation and stuff, so it really was just around his friends mm-hmm. and everything, which terrible. He's not a good boyfriend to her, like in the Taylor Swift, all too well. Short dropped her hand because that part breaks dropped her your hand Ugh. in front of his in front, in front, of, front of, his of his friends, friends. Yeah. Uh. yep, Jody I know it all too well. Really. Jody spoke on the stand for eighteen days, oh. <gasps> No. It was unprecedented. I don't get this. That's so much talking. I don't think I could do that much talking about my whole life. And I can talk. A lot of her testimony was just going into details about like every single sexual encounter they ever had. Also on the stand, even without those letters, she tried to paint Travis as a pedophile. And I'm not going to say how, because I think it's a total lie. And I just think it's so disgusting that she would try to do that to someone who's been murdered, who she's murdered. But it's definitely worth noting that there was no pornography of any kind on his computer. Like he had no porn on his computer. No pictures of children ever turned up in his room or anything like that. She said she grew scared of him over time. He would get violent on occasion. She said he pushed her down twice. He backhanded her. He grabbed her wrist. He choked her. The worst was when he picked her up and body slammed her on the ground, calling her a bitch. He kicked her and broke her left ring finger. And she held up her hand hand to show how crooked her left ring finger was uh, as a result of that incident. She told Detective Flores that the injury had happened on the day of Travis's murder. So another a different story about her crooked pinky or her crooked finger than what she's telling at trial.
1: And there was never, like, any phone calls to the police of, like, domestic nothing. disturbance. No. Like, nothing. that No, no calls called. to 911.
0: No, like, oh. no anything. Which – happens in domestic violence circumstances but there are other ways that you can corroborate stories like that and none of that is here she explained away the gas cans by saying that gas was cheaper in utah and she was on a budget and (coughs) yeah and she stuck to her story about turning her phone off because she couldn't find her car charger But in this version of events where it's self-defense, she'd been at Travis's house. She couldn't get a charger together that whole time that she was in Mesa at his house. Like, she's taking a 24-hour detour from someone that was expecting her, and she couldn't turn Uh her phone back on for a minute because she said it wasn't dead. She turned it off because it it was dying. It's
1: about to die? Well, then what's the difference? You'd at least, if it's going to die or you're turning it off, like right you still can't use it i'd at least use it up until it dies exactly. i would if, i would at least use it to the let same. the
0: person know that i'm gonna be a day late so they're not like worried about yeah. me so that you know tell them that she's stopping off in mesa to see a friend nothing in her story checks out i mean just nothing did that guy break up with her that's what I, that's why i really need to know well yeah he's not or sticking by her in prison he's like married now and <laughs> yeah Aww. She said she didn't have a gun or a knife with her when she went to Travis's house. She said when Travis started going after her after she dropped his camera, she remembered seeing a 25 caliber gun he kept in his closet. So she ran there and got the gun and he charged at her. And so she pulled the trigger. She doesn't know. But where's that gun? There was no gun she in that She threw it out the window in the desert, which she admitted to. She took it with her uh. and threw it out the window in the desert because she didn't want any, I, I don't. Yeah. She doesn't know how he got stabbed so many times or how his throat got slit. And she doesn't remember dragging him across the bathroom floor or putting him in the shower. But she remembers dropping the knife. She put it in the dishwasher. She brought the gun with her and threw it in the desert. And she also took the rope that she'd been tied up with and threw it in a dumpster behind a gas station. She explained the bandages on her hand, saying they really were from a broken glass at work, but the attack had reopened the wounds. Mm. On cross-examination, Martinez went after her hard. He picked apart every single story she gave. He showed journal entries and text exchanges on the days that she said Travis had abused her. All these text exchanges and journal entries are very lovey-dovey. She wrote, "I love his lips" in her journal on the day she said he backhanded her. Damn. Martinez played the really cheery voicemail Jody had left for Travis after she'd killed him. She like had called him um uh-huh. on her way to Salt Lake City and Tell was like, what? "Hey Travis, like just wanted to let you know I'm on my way to Salt Lake City. Just was calling to see what you were up to." La, 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 la. Obviously a ploy to cover up her part in his murder. Would she have done that Uh if she had just killed him in self-defense? She's going to call and leave all these voicemails to him like, hey. Yeah,
1: acting like, why why wouldn't that be? Like, why would you be covering it up like that? Right. What's the explanation of, okay, you just killed him in self-defense and now you're calling, pretending that he's alive when you know that it was self-defense and you killed him? Like, who are you leaving
0: the voicemail for? Her psychologist got on the stand and testified that Jody had PTSD. A domestic violence expert testified that she believed the relationship was very abusive. But the prosecutor pointed out that her opinion is based completely on what Jodi is saying and not on any other evidence at all. And then they ended up getting into a debate on the stand about whether or not Snow White was a battered woman, which essentially discredited her. And I'm all for listening to women when they say they are being Abused. And I know that when a, a woman k- kills her abuser in self defense, it doesn't always look like how you would expect it to look. That said, I wholeheartedly believe that Travis and Jody were in a very toxic relationship, that they brought out the worst in each other. But let's not forget it was her slashing his and Lisa Andrews tires when he'd started dating Lisa. It was Jody who sent those emails to Lisa threatening her. And it's Jody now saying that she was never jealous, that Travis was the only one that was jealous. Like, this was a messed up relationship. But I do not believe it was abusive in the way that Jody's trying to portray it was abusive. Like, sure, I think there was abuse on both sides, like, emotionally, 100%. Right. But, you know, Travis wasn't a saint. He made mistakes and he didn't treat Jody very well. Nor did she treat him well. But throughout his life, he tried to be a good person. And the more Jody brought out this side of him that he didn't like, the more he tried to distance himself from her.
1: I just feel like either the Hughes or his roommates, or if he would have been physically abusing her, I feel like someone would have seen. Like, would have known, would have been like, hey man, like, he wasn't living alone. And if they
0: want to bring out, if they want to bring out everything Travis really did in his life at trial, fine. Like, yes, he broke the chastity vow. Yes, he wasn't great at boundaries. That happened. And maybe it's time we look inward at how damaging vows like chastity vows can be because of things like this. But what's really, really messed up to me is when she started making stuff up just to completely ruin his reputation. Like stuff that had literally Mm -hmm. no corroboration when he's not there to defend himself. And why is he not there? Yeah. Because she slaughtered him. But who does she paint as the victim? Herself.
1: Man, I don't know that you've ever gotten in so hard on someone. <laughs> really? I mean,
0: you hate her. I mean, I hate her too, but Jody. You're like, really? Man, I can feel it. Like, I hate it because I hate any any woman that lies about domestic violence because it's such a serious problem right. and it's so hard for women to be believed. It's so hard. And it's so mm-hmm. damaging yeah. and it's so dangerous. And When women like this get up there and lie about it and try to use that, like use things that are actually happening to people, to get away with murder, it makes me very angry. (laughs) (laughs) Flipping tables! We're flipping tables over here. We're bad flipping tables. Uh, To (laughs) get (laughs) truly. Oh the gosh. prosecution put a psychologist on the stand that said Jody had signs of borderline personality disorder, which, uh, yeah, signs of borderline personality disorder include self-image issues, difficulty managing emotions and behavior, and a pattern check, of check. unstable relationships. Check, check, yeah. check.
1: I have that in my <laughs> notes. Uh, I was like, am I self-diagnosing me? Okay. <laughs>
0: The trial lasted exactly four months, with closing arguments on May 2nd, 2013. Jody was hopeful after the trial that she'd be found guilty of manslaughter or maybe second degree murder, but really thought it would probably be a hung jury. Girlfriend, no. Which, what is that
1: exactly? A hung jury? Yeah, like I know it's like they can't agree, but like after what, like a certain amount of time, like what is – So a lot of
0: times what happens is they will send a note to the judge that says like we can't reach a verdict. We we are not all in agreement and the judge will like usually send a note back saying like try a little harder guys, like, you know, keep pushing. Uh-huh. And it's when they've gotten to a point where the, like nobody's going to change their vote. And they're like, we yeah. will there's never. There's no like agree. time though.
1: Like after a week, you have to.
0: No. I mean, there's no uh-uh. like time frame. No, it's just like, it's just like once they have decided like this person's never going to vote our way, they're holding yeah. out. They're a holdout. They're not going to change their mind. We're a hung jury. Like that's it. Yeah. And then what is the verdict? Then. So then it's a mistrial. And then I mean, you yeah. do it again and you try to get. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. The jury deliberated for 15 hours before reaching their verdict on May 8th. They found her. That's quick. What do you think? What do you think? That feels quick to me. It was a lot quicker than Scotty P., you know? Yeah. They found her guilty of first degree murder. Jody gave an interview 20 minutes after the verdict because girl cannot stay away from the cameras. Where she said it was so uh. unexpected because there was no premeditation on her part, even though she can see how it looks like that. Well, with her hiding every shred of evidence that she was ever even in the state of Arizona and making sure that she turned her phone off before she went so that the, her, her phone couldn't be tracked and making sure that she didn't have to buy gas anywhere near him, but definitely not premeditation.
1: Again, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> see, you guys got so
0: hard. At her sentencing hearing, she asked the jury not to give her the death penalty for her family's sake. She talked about all the good she could do from behind bars. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Yes. Cannot wait. She said she could start a recycling program. She could create a book club. She could donate her hair to cancer patients. I hated all of that. Wait till you hear this because this is where I really – oh, my God – I really do hate her. Okay. Yeah, rain it in. She maintained <laughs> that she was a victim of domestic violence, and she held up a shirt with the word survivor on it. She said that she was selling them to raise money for the victims of domestic abuse, of which she is not well, one. That is nice that she's trying to raise money for that. No, cost, it's not. But – I still That is her. not nice. They should deny her money. They should refuse her money. Selling t-shirts with the word survivor on it. The jury did get hung up on sentencing. Eight voted for the death penalty. Four voted for life. In Arizona, this means that the guilty verdict remains. And the state has the option of accepting a life sentence or getting a new trial together to retry the penalty phase. Mm. And... After this, several jurors, like I guess the ones that couldn't agree on the death penalty, they and their families got death threats from this. Which, like, can people just stop with the death threats? Like, yeah. Why are we doing why, that? Have we not evolved past that yet? It's so gross. They decide to retry Jody rather than just stick with life in prison, which I think is so dumb and such a waste of money. You know who agrees with me on that? Me? Nancy Grace. <laughs>
1: I was wondering if she had something to say about Jody. Did she? Oh, did she come oh, in? Oh, she
0: did. Oh, she did. So the defense appealed this retrial, and they said to the prosecution, hey, your own witness got up there and said that our client is mentally ill. They said that she has borderline personality disorder. And now you're trying to execute a mentally ill person. And Nancy Grace called this an incredible U-turn by the defense. Oh. <laughs> She said Jody's trying to say she's not just a mean stalker with a murderous bent; she's actually mentally ill. <laughs> I am un- i am unwell. <laughs> a mean stalker with a murderous bent. <laughs> a U-turn, an incredible U-turn by the defense. Oh, turn. <laughs> or <Poor> Nancy.
1: Ugh. <sighs> which is great cuz i don't think i'm a bit i'm not a fan of nancy but when you when you bring her here <laughs> no you to her I'm, all day.
0: I'm only a fan of nancy watching nancy scream Um not a, yeah her outbursts, yeah, her outbursts. I, I generally don't agree with the things that she says and she thinks adnan's guilty so you know we're never going to be friends but
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know i i wondered if we were going to make it through this case without bringing him up but
0: Look, reminders, reminders, Never. people. Yeah. So Jody has a guilty verdict, but they still basically have to do a completely new trial to get a sentence. A childhood friend of Jody's was going to testify as a, a character witness for her, but she got so many death threats that she backed out. Like again with the death threats, people. Yeah, like what I don't like, what good is that doing? Yeah. What are we what are we doing with that? Like, like what's your like, I just... Like, why are you so I, invested that you're, I like... I can understand a little bit more if you're sending, like, a death threat as, like, a DM on Instagram. You're still awful. Like, don't do that. But I can at least see, like, it's a spur of the moment, like, in the heat of the moment thing mm-hmm. you send it. But the people that actually, like, write them out and mail them in a letter that they put it the mailbox, like, you went through all that trouble. Okay. Yeah. This, I mean...
1: Let me be clear, this was not a death threat at all. But when Linda from Laporte wrote a letter, a four-page letter, (laughs) typed it out, printed it, addressed it, and found a stamp to send to MTV about Kanye West stealing the mic from Taylor. Yeah, I which I respect, but I'm like, you did you cared enough about that? I don't even think she could name one Taylor Swift song. And she cared enough about that moment. You Mm -hmm. know? Like, and that's not even Mm -hmm. something like this. Right.
0: At least it wasn't a death threat to MTV, I hope. Signed Linda from LaPorte. Yes, absolutely not. It's not. not. Uh, The defense tried to use this, like, these death threats against this character witness. They tried to use that to declare a mistrial, but the judge didn't agree. And in the end, this jury was also deadlocked 11 to 1 with one holdout (sighs) against the death penalty. And so, because oh my goodness. Yeah. So, because of the two mistrials, it goes to the judge to decide her penalty. And he has the option to sentence Jody to life without the possibility of parole or life with the possibility of parole after 25 years. And he went with life without parole. So, she was sentenced to life without parole. She's also ordered to pay $32,000 in restitution to Travis's siblings. Jodi Arias is currently serving her sentence in Arizona in a medium security prison there. I already told you what happened with that with her attorney who like wrote the tell all book about her. Yeah. But Martinez, the prosecutor in her trial, was also disbarred for leaking information to a blogger that he was having an affair with about the Jodi Arias case communicating with a dismissed juror and then apparently there were like numerous complaints that he sexually harassed his female co-workers and stuff and uh yeah yeah and that's the story of the murder of travis alexander that's like uh, that's who it is that whole trial (laughs) (laughs) i'm never
1: texting you again (laughs) there's you could have been like don't worry
0: about her like i was like you know she's a murderer that camera, Mo Gab, the camera kills me every time. The whole trial is a
1: disaster. Like when both attorneys get disbarred, and
0: yeah. <laughs> like. And let me tell you, I did not know that for four days Jody Arias was out there representing herself.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. But, and I would never do this. See, that's why I wish you could re- represent someone else because I don't want to go to law school. And I don't want to be in a predicament where I'm representing myself, but the idea of playing lawyer for like a day or two, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that could be mm-hmm. fun.
0: Yeah. You know. You want to have your Elwood's moment? It was you yeah. walking through the Ew. door. <laughs> I thought it was you. <laughs> yeah. You would have had to been standing over his body with a gun in her hand to make oh. your story plausible if I got right hey do you know what we have mm. to tell the people yes that we're on vacation again okay so we are going another break uh it's the holidays again i know this is the don't be mad Please, at us don't be mad at us we just need a little break with over the holidays we just don't have we honestly don't have an option it's not even that we want to take a break i mean Moab's is literally traveling for like travel. six weeks and we're recording twice while she's out and there so now there's just like literally i cannot record. on And then an i'm going out of town so to visit some family um so we are taking the weeks of christmas and the weeks of new years off of the podcast but we will be back on january 6th we will also still have bonus content for you on our patreon so the mini creeps will be coming out we have a few of those lined up and we have our December bonus episode that's coming out. And yep. so we'll still have that content for you. So if you are going to miss us over Christmas, and we hope you we, we are going to miss all of you. I hope that you miss us. <laughs> Find us at a Waffle House in Houston. Oh, here. yeah. And uh, you can always go and subscribe on our Patreon at true crime or at patreon.com slash true crime creepers. Uh, the link is in our show notes on our Instagram bio, et cetera, et cetera. All right, and that's uh, that's it. Do we have shout outs? No, it's not. We got shout-outs. We got a we got a little a little bop to oh, play. Yeah. Oh my god, we got our jingle. We had to skip it last Roll time. Roll the clip. Roll the clip. Shout-out time. Shout-out time. Shout-out time. Shout-out time. It's time for shout
1: Jody with an I, not Jody, Arius. Jody, Jody J, Jody J, not a. Jody J is Jody Arius with an E. No, it's an A. An aunt? Oh no, it's it's spelled no. like that. J O D I. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Jody J,
0: to be J- clear. To be clear, not Jody. A. You go. You go, Jojo. You go, Jojo. Uh, maybe we should have pushed that back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry in advance. Thank you to Jackie and Rebel.
1: Major shouts, Jenna Furrickter. Oh, got it. Cry laughing emoji, cry laughing <laughs> emoji. <laughs> uh,
0: and major shouts, Hannah Cardenas. Thank you so much, all of you. No, you better, you didn't read the phonetics on that. That's what I would have said too. Hannah Car. Man. Yeah, she really put it out there, mm-hmm. and I really messed it up. Yeah, she really she like that's phonetic. Carthenas, right? Carthenas or feel the right? Carthenas, Carthanas. Carthenas, Carthenas. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. Let
1: us Hannah, know. Carthenas? We want to know now.
0: I'm sorry, Could I just be said Carthenas without even looking at your pronunciation.
1: But <sighs> Hannah, is it Carthenas or Carthenas? Please, please Carthenas. let us know. Slide Carthenas. in our DMs. Carthenis. Hannah Carthenis. That's right. Okay. Thanks, Hannah. Well, she's going to let you know if it's not. Thanks,
0: Hannah. Oh, Hannah, you're the best. Hannah. All right. Thank you so much to everybody, to all of our Patreons, uh, subscribers. You guys are just so great. We love you all. And to all of our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. You can follow us on uh, all the social medias Instagram. I was about to say MySpace. I was literally about to say MySpace. We <laughs> Facebook. We might Twitter, be though. Uh, at Creepers Pod, and is that it? Ooh, your girl's got a tweet. Yeah, yeah. We're not as active on the twit on the Twitter machine. <laughs> Instagram is really where it's at, in our Facebook discussion group. All right, like that's really our our bee's knees. I'm trying to,
1: and it might be MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> I may have. I got a little free Can time on my, MySpace? on my hands.
0: I be. Around. Can we like I'm make I a mickey Let's do it. I, I want glitter background like that music. like sparkles. You know, like it actually shimmers. Like it moves. <laughs> and I want, yes, I, I want, In sync playing in the background.
1: Okay, but I was maybe gonna go with Hillary. Oh, oh,
0: okay, all right. Let the rain come down. All right. Well, thank you for listening <laughs> and uh, subscribe so you'll know exactly when our next episode will drop, which will be January sixth. So have a happy holiday everybody and we'll see you on the 6th
1: bye peeps and creeps